The word of God is alive and powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing asunder of the soul and the spirit, and the joints from the marrow, and is a critic of all thoughts and intents of the heart. All scripture is God-breathed and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God might be mature, thoroughly furnished unto all good works. Study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. Once again, open the word of truth to 1 Timothy chapter 3. Maybe your Bible falls open to 1 Timothy 3 when you uh, just lay it open towards the New Testament, and that's totally fine. We are resuming our study, of course, in the qualifications for deacons. Deacons are the church leaders, and and we covered this briefly last week, but it's important to restate. Deacons are the church leaders that administer the local church. They handle the administration function of the local church. They originate as an office. The office of deacon originates in Acts chapter 6. The church age begins in Acts chapter 2, the day of Pentecost, when the Holy Spirit descended on all believers, and that marked the beginning of a dispensation in in human history. That marked the beginning of a new time period in human history called the Church Age. And the book of Acts is the story of how the church got started. It starts in Acts chapter 1 with the ascension of the Lord Jesus Christ. Then they have to cast lots to pick uh, Matthias to replace Judas, the twelfth apostle, Uh, And then they are instructed to gather together in the uh, room, and that's that's the day of Pentecost, and Peter preaches at the end of Acts chapter 2, and uh, the church age begins. Acts tells the story then, from Acts chapter 2 to Acts to the end of the book, uh, Acts tells the story of the launch of the local church. And in Acts chapter 6, we have a practical matter that arose within the church organically. It was an issue where some people were accusing other people of taking more than their fair share of food. Sounds like a very trivial dispute, uh, but the uh, people brought this up to the effectively the pastors of that local body. Of, of At that time, it wasn't really an established church because the church age was just getting started. There weren't really local churches at that time. There was a big group of believers who were getting ready to launch into all parts of the world and share the gospel and create plant churches. So there's this practical need that comes up. Uh, I accuse, you know, Jody over there of coming back for seconds before everyone got first, essentially, is the, is the dispute. Uh, it's not really that, but uh, that gives you a, a flavor for what, the, what this type of dispute is. So the apostles said, we need to look, they said, we need to devote ourselves to teaching. We need to put all of our time and all of our energy into teaching the word of God. So the congregation needs to pick leaders who are of a high level of quality, who are mature people, and they will handle this issue so that we can focus on dealing with uh, the teaching, so that we can focus on studying the word of God and teach it to believers so that the church can grow. We cannot neglect our primary responsibility, the apostles said, you know, effectively speaking. We can't neglect our primary responsibility so that we can wait tables. It's as if the CEO of a, a, a large company, if it's the CEO of whatever company you work for, unless uh, 
you're the CEO and you have a small business, so I guess that, that, doesn't, that doesn't apply to you. But imagine you worked for a large company. Imagine if you approached the CEO and said, I'm not satisfied with the flavors of coffee and creamer in the break room. And he's, you know, he leads a multi-billion dollar organization. I'm not satisfied with the coffee flavors. He, he doesn't deal with that himself. He, you know, well, he might fire you because if you're coming to him with that issue. No, uh, but he has this whole infrastructure around him to deal with that. He has a facilities team, and that facilities team has a whole hierarchy and a whole infrastructure. And there's someone who is in charge of ordering the coffee supplies. And that's the person that you talk to. You don't bother the CEO of the organization with the break room supplies. Uh, you don't bother the, the pastor teacher of a church uh, not that it's a bother, but you don't encumber the pastor teacher with the administration of a local church. That's what deacons are for. So deacons, the office of deacon, is a spiritual leadership role that handles and administers the practical aspects of the ministry of the local church. It's a primarily practical area in terms of service, although it is a spiritual leadership role in nature. The next qualification that we will see as a result is that the deacon does not pursue dishonest gain. As I stated in the first service this morning, many of the deacon qualifications relate back to the qualifications of overseer. They are essentially parallel with some differences. This qualification is no exception. It relates back to the qualification for overseers saying they are not a lover of money. This is similar to the pastor-teacher qualification around not being a lover of money, but this and the preceding qualification around wine, so not indulging in much wine and not pursuing dishonest gain, these two qualifications are actually stated more strongly for the deacons than for the overseers. They are stated more clearly in the original language. They are stated more strong in nature, in sort of forcefulness, than the pastor-teacher qualification. That's not to lessen the pastor-teacher qualification. It's really to raise the standard of what it means to be a deacon in a local church. This is important. Deacons are responsible for a lot of the public-facing aspects of a church's ministry. They oversee practical ministry areas within the church. Hospitality, children's ministry, music, there's a big one, finances, facility oversight, etc. All of these areas in our church are overseen in one way or another by our board of deacons. As such, because they are responsible for a lot of the public-facing, outward-facing uh, elements of a church, they need to be men of quality. They need to be men of a, a requisite level of maturity. That's the reason that they're more strongly stated here than for the pastor-teacher. The pastor-teacher has to obey the same qualifications. But the reason for stating them strongly for the deacons, I believe, is twofold. One, it's to quash any false interpretation that the pastor is elevated above the congregation. That is simply not the case. 
It's to quash any bad understanding of this passage that the pastor is elevated above, that the, you know, the priest, the vicar, whatever you want to call it, is above, is closer to God than the members of the congregation. And secondly, it's to say in order to administrate, in order to be an, uh, an administrator of the local church, you need to be very aligned to the pastor teacher in terms of the quality of your character, the quality of your conduct. You need to be mature so that the ministry, in, in terms of your role administrating the ministry, right, running the functions of the church, and doing a lot of the practical-facing aspects of the local church ministry, your life can't be encumbered by a whole manner of vices and the love of money and the love of wine. Because often, and this is crucial, deacons can have, at many churches, deacons can have more quote-unquote face time with the members of the congregation than the pastor teacher does, at least at a one-on-one -on -one level. This is going to be true of, of our church. I don't spend, you know, the, uh, I'll, I spend, try and spend as much time with you as, as I possibly can. But one of the reasons that we have a board of deacons is so that that face time, quote-unquote, can be accomplished and, and that division of labor can take place. And so that the, you know, the deacons can run the music ministry and the, uh, the children's ministry and all the different areas where we have committees and we have over, uh, oversight and leadership. Of course, it looks different depending on what, what church you go to. If you go to a church with, you know, a, a thousand members and the board of deacons 30 or 40 men, it's going to look a lot differently than our church. Of course, our church was planted in 2021, and this is a church plant. We're studying the book of First Timothy because the book of First Timothy is a book about godliness, yes, but it's also and crucially a book about how to launch a ministry well. So as this church launches itself, we're learning from the Bible how to launch a church well, how to uh, have the right qualifications for overseers, pastor teachers, deacons, how to run the worship services within chapter 2, how to avoid and understand where false teachers and false teaching comes from and how to respond to it when it's evident within your congregation in chapter 1. And we'll see a whole number of other practical areas within the life of the church. Deacons need to be men of quality because they uh, interface and interact with the congregation in ways that the pastor-teacher does not. The pastor-teacher's primary responsibility, as we've seen in 2 Timothy chapter 4, is three words, preach the word. Preach the word. Meaning, teach the word of God. Herald, proclaim, this is what's meant by keruxon, the word for preach. Proclaim the word of God. Teach the word of God to the congregation. That's the pastor-teacher's priority. That's his overriding priority. For the deacons, the priority is to run the ministry of the church on a practical level. That's their responsibility. And when both of these roles are accomplished, there's a very symbiotic relationship that takes place. The members of the congregation are cared for. The church is run well, like any good organization. And the pastor-teacher is freed up to accomplish his overriding priorities. Again, it looks different at every church. And I, as a pastor of a church plant, I'm going to be involved in things that, you know, maybe in 15, 20 years... Lord willing, I'm not involved in those things. You know, Lord willing, our ministry gets to that point. 
But at, at, at different churches, that division of labor will look slightly differently. But the overriding point here is to say that deacons have to be men of quality because they take the ministry of the church, the ministry of the word, and they put it into action. And they derive their priorities from the pastor-teacher's priorities. This is a very big area of danger for churches because what happens all too often is that men come into a church and they say, I want to serve as a deacon. I want to serve as a spiritual leader. And what they really mean is I want to accomplish my little pet project. You know, let's say they come in and they have a very specific, and this is uh, not a hypothetical, this has happened. I have observed this happen, not at this church, but at a different church. I have observed this with my own two eyes. Someone comes in and they have a very specific understanding of prayer. And at times it agrees with the pastor's approach to prayer, and at times it disagrees with the pastor's approach to prayer. And they say they want to come in, and they want to start a prayer group. They want to get on the board of the church, and they want to start a prayer group. And what they do is they start teaching that little group of people, and they start subtly contradicting what the pastor is teaching. That's how false doctrine gets uh, introduced to a church. Through, you know, a very well-meaning group of people who want to get together and pray. And they start learning incorrect things about what prayer means, or how to pray, or what to pray for, or what not to pray for, that counteracts and contradicts the ministry of the church. That is the wrong way to approach spiritual leadership. That is the wrong way to approach deaconship. Where you say, I'm a deacon, or I want to be a deacon, so that I can accomplish my you know, pet project. The reality of it is, is that deacons need to be men of quality so that they can support and direct the priorities of the pastor-teacher and accomplish those on a practical level. And I'm very proud to say that that is absolutely true in this church. Our deacons are aligned to our overriding priority, which is presenting the word of God to the congregation boldly and unapologetically. Line upon line, precept upon precept, doctrine upon doctrine. That's what we do every uh, Sunday, every time that we gather as a church. And every time our board of deacons gathers, we are aligned to those priorities. And the qualifications for deaconship are raised because it's saying you need to be so aligned to the message, to the mentality, to the priorities of the pastor-teacher, not me as a person, not, not the pastor as a person, but the priorities as directed by Scripture. So Scripture determines the priorities. Scripture determines that the, the pastor's priorities, and the deacons accomplish those priorities on a practical level. You say, how does finance committee, you know, how does the facilities committee relate to the ministry of the word? Well, in a very clear way, we need a space to gather. We need a comfortable space. We need a space that has the right uh, mindset to it. And that's one of the things that we'll discuss here in a few moments in our congregational meeting, which is a very poor, important time in the life of our church, where you'll hear from the deacons about the practical ministry oversight areas within the church. And you'll hear them, hopefully, uh, connect their updates into the priorities of our church, which is that we are a Bible-teaching church. It's in our name. Living Word, Bible Church. 
Who's the living word? The Lord Jesus Christ. What is the living word? The mind of Christ as revealed in Scripture. So I will say a brief prayer and then we will transition now into our congregational meeting where you'll hear from the deacons and hear them uh, connect what goes on uh, in the ministry of our church to the uh, overriding priorities of our church on on a practical level. So it's very, I think, uh, God-directed that we're studying the qualifications for deacons on the Sunday that we have our congregational meeting because you'll see our deacons put those into action. So, Heavenly Father, we thank you for the truth. We thank you for the Bible. We thank you for the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. Please continue to give the deacons of this church much wisdom as they administer the functions and the ministry areas of this church. Please continue to pour out your spirit on each of us and help us to see the applications that you would have for each and every one of us to make from these qualifications. Because we know, Heavenly Father, that these are qualifications that all of us, as maturing believers, should live towards. For we ask this in Christ's name. Amen.